Welcome to Activate, a podcast for mobile marketers brought to you by Remerge. Take a short break from your screen and listen to what's working in mobile marketing and what's not, straight from the people who are doing it now. Are you ready? Let's get started. Hey everyone, you are tuned in to yet another episode of the Activate podcast brought to you by Remerge. Today, I'm your host, Tommy. And today, like always, super awesome guest on the line with me, someone with quite a bit of experience and someone I'm especially excited to talk to because we're talking about a subject that I'm not sure we've necessarily covered on this podcast to date. So buckle up and get ready for a great conversation. Today's guest, I don't know why I said buckle up. There's no pause here. I just keep going. But in any case, today's guest is, is Janos Pere, who is the UA lead for casual gaming at Voodoo. Janos, what's going on? Hi, Tommy. Uh, thank you so much for the really great introduction. Really happy to be here. Really looking forward to talking about, I think, the UA manager roles, how they evolved, and what are the things that we would be potentially looking for when trying to grow our teams. Hell yeah. I'm stoked too. This is something that we haven't covered. And you thank me for a good intro. I'd argue that was a really bad one, but we're going to power through it. Doesn't matter because we're already here. In any case, I'm looking at your LinkedIn and I mean, you've been working in all sorts of marketing capacities and gaming and all sorts of cool stuff for quite some time now. So I would love to round you out, understand some of your background, where you've been and, and what brought you to where you are today. Sounds good. So uh, like pretty much every other business graduate, I started out in banking and finance where I pretty much realized one thing that I'm not going to become a banker. So after one year, I actually got into the interesting and exciting world of digital marketing, working for a mobile media brokering company based out of Berlin, Germany. And having worked there, of course, I learned kind of the basics of campaign operations, business operations, how do you kind of work. But the difficulty that I was missing, of course, is that you are not super close to the product. And this was my pretty much breakout moment where I had the fortune to become to the crazy world of uh, mobile gaming. And throughout the different years, uh, more or less the better part of the last decade, I've been fortunate enough to work at a number of different capacities in uh, mobile gaming, starting out from basic UA management all the way to a little bit more senior team lead and leadership positions and trying to learn and kind of understand the full cycle of app marketing from the early conceptualization towards preparing for a soft launch, running the soft launch, commercial releases, live operations, and eventually sunsetting sometimes. On top of this, I have been fortunate enough to have a little bit of experience outside of the core gaming and more specifically the core mobile gaming areas, working for other type of applications like video entertainment applications, health and fitness, and eventually a little bit with uh, technology companies like a display manufacturing vendor, which was a little bit more broader uh, complex. At this very moment, I am working at Voodoo in the newly established division of the casual gaming side and really looking forward to essentially driving growth for our upcoming titles and setting essentially the boundaries from there. That was awesome. What a well-spoken articulation of your history in the space. But you hit on a few things that are inherently interesting to me. Yeah, the banking finance thing, that's definitely a, a common trope, I'd say, in the space. But you also mentioned you know, you did some stuff in health and fitness and some other verticals. Is your heart in gaming? Is that what you want to do? Do you love working as a UA manager in gaming? Or are there other kind of fields and verticals that have always really sparked your interest as well? 
I would say personally, I'm really interested in what I would like to call the digital entertainment segment. And of course, gaming is one vertical, one area of that with the interactive entertainment forms, but let it be video, music, and so on. I think that's quite an interesting and booming area. I do need to be completely transparent, not a big gamer myself. Of course, I do play and have played games before. But on that side, the reason why I really like working in gaming, because I do believe that the gaming and especially the mobile gaming advertisers are one of the ones who are always pushing the boundaries of the industries, one of the most sophisticated optimization methodologies, approaches, processes. And I just really like essentially being part of this crowd and really kind of trying to push our industry jointly forward, because I think this is where real innovation is going to happen. And as you probably know, during the course of this year and the past years, we have had some turbulences. Uh, let it be the pandemic situation. Let it be some of the recent changes around the privacy measurements coming from different vendors and ecosystem providers. And this essentially puts us in a constant loop of innovation. Otherwise, the companies would not be able to survive. And I think that is a really good potential opportunity for career growth. And I do believe that uh, being in the intersection with creative arts, technology and business as a UA manager is a very interesting position to be. That's awesome. You brought up something and I don't want to talk about this subject because I've talked about it a ton, but I, I'm just curious to get a pulse check from your perspective. You mentioned the privacy component of what's happening with Apple. When you think about Voodoo right now, what would you say the general vibe is? Do you think there is like an excitement about this, an apprehension, a concern? Do you think your team is seeing it as a real opportunity for innovation in the way that you see it? So I think first and foremost for everyone, it was probably a very cold shower. So I think on that side, everybody would agree that, of course, this was quite an interesting move from the ecosystem provider. And definitely we are still feeling some of those impacts. Some of the question marks are still going up. Having said that, that we do believe again in having privacy-centric approach towards the whole setup. And again, this is something that uh, should be ultimately at the hand of the users. Of course, this does mean that in the short term, we are hit by certain difficulties. We are actually having some inefficiencies in terms of optimizations. But again, every single big change that always kind of, how should I put, destroys the equilibrium just only inspires innovation. And I think this is something that we are really interested in seeing how the industry will evolve over the course of the next six to 12 months and what will be essential, the new technologies, the new systems that will be able to go forward. One thing that is sure, you know, you never go backwards. So technically we are not that concerned that the, the technologies will not be available. I think it is more of a question of when than a question of if. I love that. I really do. I think, um, now again, I'm not going to talk about the subject too much, but one of the challenges I always had with this privacy, the privacy changes was kind of the label that the industry had put on it as like privacy apocalypse or doomsday and stuff like that. This super negative kind of approach to it when I think your take is a far more leveled and reasonable one, which is ultimately the consumer should decide whether or not they want to share their information and they should decide what level of, of data they give to whatever publisher that they're using, or whatever app they're using. But ultimately, this just gives us an opportunity to innovate and create more and to be better for the consumers who ultimately we want to use our apps. So I love that take. Not going to talk about it anymore. I do want to back up, though, and round out Voodoo. So I imagine most of our listeners here are familiar with Voodoo because you're one of the biggest game publishers in the world, but would love to, from you, hear kind of about Voodoo and more specifically about you know, the casual gaming department that you're working in. 
Voodoo, for those who are kind of familiar with it and for those who are not, is essentially a hyper-casual gaming developer and publisher. I believe we just recently announced a couple of weeks back that we actually crossed the 5 billion download cumulative mark (laughs) over the history. So it is safe to say that I think the company did something right and at the right time. Having said that, of course, the hyper-casual business is blooming and it's essentially at a really, really good state. Yet, of course, with the privacy changes, with different ecosystem changes, I believe would have identified uh, about a good year and a half ago that it would be better, of course, to diversify the risk and therefore focus on new areas. Having been the market leader for the hyper-casual space, of course, stepping towards what we would call the core casual area is a very natural step. And this is more or less the journey that Voodoo has started to embark on about a good year ago. First, of course, building some teams, some production capacities, getting some early prototyping. And starting from the beginning of the year, when I was fortunate enough to join the company, essentially also increasing the UA capacities, the testing and kind of the business and marketing side of things. And this is now essentially the current setup. So we are working on a number of titles that are built in-house, also through our publishing uh, division, working on a couple of external productions with our partner studios and really looking forward to kind of making it uh, big. In the very short interim, we don't yet have big public games out live, but do watch out for the upcoming, let's say, six to 12 months. We are quite confident that there will be a couple of really interesting casual games coming from Voodoo. That's amazing. And that is a big deal, right? To go from from the the hyper-casual to the, again, core casual kind of titles. It begs the question kind of right out of the gate, and you might not be able to answer this, but do you see a world in which Voodoo continues on that path in the future? Meaning one could surmise, all right, you started hyper-casual, you go to casual. Well, the next natural progression is to go to mid-core or something like that, and ultimately hardcore RPG. Do you see that as part of the vision here, or, or are you able to share that? I personally don't believe so. So our motto or our vision is, as we like to call it, to entertain the world. If you are looking to entertain the world, if you're looking to entertain the masses, you ultimately need to essentially provide content and experiences that are really relevant for a very broad audience base. Because of this, I do firmly believe that, of course, hyper-casual will still play and it is an important role of our business. Hopefully next to that, we will be able to build up this casual pillar We actually like to call ourselves a hybrid casual, so somewhere in between the casual, full casual experiences and somewhere between hyper casual, because simply we do believe in building on our existing expertise coming from this very light snackable content experiences, but still giving a little bit of an additional depth through meta gameplay, through maybe some additional monetization opportunities, experience opportunities that are coming outside of kind of the core ads monetization business and the core user experiences that you are experiencing with uh, the hyper casual titles. Having said that, you may never know what uh, the future holds, but I do believe ultimately we would rather try to capture uh, a decent market share from the casual side. And then the two sides of the business will together be growing Midcore and eventually more hardcore titles, I think they could be very interesting as a strategy. But as I mentioned, I do see that's a tiny bit contradicting with our general approach, which is, again, trying to entertain the masses, trying to entertain a broad audience base. That is totally fair. It's a good answer. You have entertained the masses, right? We're talking 5 billion downloads for your hyper-casual games. Then it begs the question, what makes Voodoo so good at this? What makes y'all... Better, you're not the only hyper games publisher in the world, but you are the largest in the world. Why? 
Well, I believe there could be a number of different uh, reasons and uh, justifications for that. But maybe what is striking to me as, uh, again, uh, keeping in mind that still a relevantly new uh, team member starting only in January is, I think, Buddhist dedication towards innovation and delivering. So technically, sometimes some of the solutions we do might not be the most cleanest and methodologically impeccable ones. Still, what we are trying to do is keep experimenting, keep learning. Again, as the industry always says, fail fast and fail often, and essentially try to have a better implementation loop every single step, every iteration step, get better and better at things. And ultimately, I believe that is the very foundational success. So this is the reason why we're also trying to take slightly different approach towards the casual gaming. As I mentioned, we are looking at it not exactly as a full classical casual definition, but more something that is in between the four casual experiences and the hyper casual ones. So somewhere in between. So still trying to take, again, the experimentation, the innovation DNA from the existing know-how and then moving it forward towards the next generation. Awesome. It's interesting. Voodoo, based on everything that I know about it and most of what you discussed and just the sheer nature of hyper casual gaming, right? It's a, you're a big publisher. Probably most of your money comes through ad monetization, which makes the role of a UA manager somewhat interesting, right? Because most UA managers uh, in the gaming space, not most, but a high percentage of them, you know, are working for apps that predominantly monetize through in-app purchases or micropayments, whatever you want to call it. So talk to me about the role of UA manager within a hyper-casual game uh, studio, right? What are the, some of the challenges that you might face here that you don't face maybe in other gaming studios that aren't hyper-casual? Sure. So with the caveat that, again, I'm more working on the, the casual titles, uh, just a, a short uh, disclaimer there. So I think uh, the first thing that comes to mind, of course, obviously, is simply kind of just the life cycles of the product. In case of casual games or more games that are monetized through in-app purchases and different type of methodologies, of course, you have longer lifetimes. In our specific case, we definitely have very short life cycles. The trends are almost like social trends changing every single week. What is fresh? What is cool? And because of that, you constantly need to innovate, constantly need to find new games, new experiences. From a user acquisition perspective, of course, this means that the classical methodologies where, I don't know, we start like a very tiered campaign structure, optimizing for installs, optimizing for engagement, events, revenue, uh, ROAS, you name it, that does take time to kind of accumulate. Now, the question is, if you have a game that has a life cycle of months, years, uh, eventually, you can do that. If you have games which have very short life cycles, it does become a little bit difficult. So therefore, normally we would default back closer towards the, the very basic marketing equation, which is LTV versus CPI, as opposed to a very sophisticated system. Having said that, uh, this does not mean that we have not uh, done, and we actually are actively kind of trying to find alternative optimization options. Most of the vendors in the industry are now having the opportunity to optimize based on ad revenues. So technically, the level of sophistication, specifically for the ads-based monetization business, is pretty much stepping up to the game. But arguably, it used to be more like kind of a very rudimentary CPI LTV question, ultimately, in the end. Yeah. Super interesting. And it does also then beg the question about how you bring in talent. And I know you alluded to this earlier in the conversation. And I know when I look at your LinkedIn profile, it says hiring, right? So I want to talk about that. I want to talk about the role of a UA manager. You just kind of touched on it to some degree as the role within Voodoo in a hyper-casual studio and eventually a core-casual studio. But I'm very curious to understand the hiring process for UA managers these days. So I guess the first question here is, what do you look for in a UA candidate or, or a growth marketing manager these days? 
Sure. So I do believe that there are about three main building blocks, three main pillars. I mean, the first and foremost, I believe I'm not going to say anything surprising or shocking is, of course, analytics and data. So people do need to get a good understanding of what the metrics are and also not just what the metrics are, but what are the certain drivers behind those metrics. Because, of course, it is one thing to say, okay, take a CPI, take a click-through rate, an install rate, I don't know, three-second that view, you name the metric. But ultimately, the question is, okay, what are the levers? What can be optimized? How can we work with that? The second pillar would be evolving a little bit closely related to the analytics part, of course, towards technologies. So in most of the cases, we are working with different type of systems, let it be ad networks, let it be different kind of marketing vendors, analytics vendors. So the person needs to get a really good understanding from how the underlying technology works, because understanding how the technology works will essentially help you to optimize and more granularly and more better what you are actually looking for in terms of the targets. The third and final, and ultimately, I believe the, the key skill for any innovation, of course, is creatives. So creativity, not just in terms of the sheer creativeness and essentially having really great, bright ideas that could be translated into ads, to visuals, to videos, and so on, but also creativity in terms of understanding the processes, how to innovate and how to step ahead. At Voodoo, we do take quite a big pride in essentially self-motivation, interest, and excellence, kind of driving these innovation things forward. And I do believe that is something that has been a consistent pattern throughout also my previous positions, that normally we do expect UA managers to actually drive their own businesses forward. Uh, so if you are responsible, let's say, for a game or a portfolio of partners, countries, depending on how you set up your organization, Ultimately, you are like the mini CEO of that specific portfolio. So your objective is trying to find innovative ways how to grow it. After all, that's the ultimate goal of the game. So you broke it down three pillars that you think make up a, a well-rounded, versed uh, UA manager, growth marketing, whatever you want to call it. We'll just call it UA manager. Analytics and data, a deep understanding of technologies, and creativity across multiple components of the job, meaning creativity from an actual, what do the ads look like perspective, all the way to what are some ideas around how we can optimize this platform in this country, how we can approach a marketing initiative or an advertising initiative in this country. Great. I'm curious, how do you discover whether or not someone hits on those three pillars during the actual interview process? What's your process when you're hiring someone that allows you to understand whether or not they're going to be a good candidate with some of these soft skills, especially which are a little bit harder to uncover? Sure. So on that side, I think the first thing that to note, I think at Voodoo, we have quite a standard template of hiring. So usually there is an initial call with the HR team, then followed by either an initial call with uh, myself, who would be the hiring manager, or actually completing a test task. And then there is a couple of peer interviews, so from the prospective team members, and then there is always like a cultural organizational fit, usually by a higher level executive. So these would be the three, four main pillars and of course, depending on the level of the seniority and the type of the position, maybe one or one interview more or less, depending on the case. In terms of trying to understand how a candidate can perform well in all three of these areas, that usually gets into, I believe, the test task and correspondingly towards the technical interview phase that usually the hiring manager leads in concrete case myself. Of course, normally, whenever we do these test tasks, there are a number of different dimensions that we are trying to understand. Starting from the very basic, does the person understand the basic mathematics, the basic calculus behind some of the calculations? 
towards more the strategic type of topics when we are essentially expecting more people to think about processes and, you know, how they are approaching certain business problems. What I'm always telling to the candidates that I have the privilege to talk to throughout the different processes, I can tell that 90% of the cases, I'm not really interested in the actual outcome, unless, of course, it is unfortunately derailed quite substantially. What to me is always more interesting is your rationale, your reasoning, how you think, because that's the one that will give me the confidence that, okay, I might not be presenting you the exact same problem, but there might be a similar problem popping up in the future. And you at least have, let's say, a small toolbox in your head or something, an approach, a process that you know how to kind of proceed to and how to solve it. Also, uh, quite a number of cases, there are no right or wrong answers or correct answers, for instance, towards a case study that we might be doing or discussing. It is more about how you kind of see and how you kind of resolve it. And I have had the case, again, not just at Voodoo, but also at prior companies where different candidates solve different business problems differently and still got to the same correct outcome and still essentially provided a really good approach how they would be able to tackle that problem. So that's, I would say, when we talk about specifically the technology understanding, the processes, the thinking and the data analysis. The creative part sometimes tends to be a little bit tricky. Normally, we essentially ask people to kind of describe a couple of creative ideas, let it be for an ad, let it be maybe for a basic process. In some cases, some candidates even provide us like a small storyboard, which is very interesting to see. And it's actually really good to see also from a management perspective that people have a diverse way of communicating with each other. Because, of course, from the UE management perspective, we tend to be more the numbers, the analytics driven. But whenever talking, for instance, with a creative manager, if you can use a couple of visuals, examples, references, that will be a way more powerful communication uh, tool. Simply because, again, those creative designers and creative artists, they are just living at that world. So helping them to understand your thoughts and ideas better will be helping us to essentially progress more efficiently and effectively. That's a lot, right? I think I, I'm looking at this, I'm like, you, you need someone who knows math and knows basic calculus and analytics, someone who also has business acumen to be able to solve potentially borderline complex or fully complex business problems and challenges while also having that creative part of their mind that's able to explore uh, unique visual ideas even, right? How do you find people? What's your process there for finding good candidates? And how challenging is it to, to find someone that meets these criteria? So I would say definitely it's not an easy thing. So an average hiring time span tends to be somewhere on the lowest side from three to six months all the way. I have been in cases where it took me about a year to find a really good and strong team member. Also, it does depend on the level of the seniority that you are trying to hire for. Having said that, I do believe that the whole app ecosystem, the whole app economy has been around, give or take, for about a good 10 years now. So there is, I think, a class of industry professionals who would be eligible and interesting for these roles. But having said that, most of these persons are already happily employed in most cases. So it does include a fair sheer amount of convincing opportunities and kind of trying to see how things are working out. Uh, having said that, uh, we have had a number of candidates who actually directly apply to some of our positions and they prove to be a really good and, and strong candidates. So I think in terms of sourcing, it's definitely uh, a challenge. I can tell that I'm part of a couple of industry networks and every single week there is at least three, four new UA manager role of different degrees and seniorities. Having said that, again, the, the true talent, I think it always shines out. Additionally, the last thing that I would like to highlight here, of course, we do not necessarily expect each and every person to, you know, have 100% at every single area. 
Of course, there, there is a really good base when the person has situational understanding of the different areas and maybe has one or two fields where the person has a really deep understanding. That would already be, for instance, a sufficient base for us because ultimately, of course, we would love to hire each and every superhero that we can find out there. But it is not about the individuals. It is about the team. So if we have a team where we have each and every skill set nice and complementary and the team is strong, that's what's going to deliver the results as opposed to individual supermans and superheroes. So I'm much more looking for essentially making sure that the team is solid and whole and we have covered all the areas that we need to successfully operate and grow games, grow products, as opposed to having individual superheroes who may or may not be too compatible in terms of their personalities and mindset. Yeah, and that, that kind of creates an overarching theme around all of this, right? Like the three main pillars that you mentioned frankly, they become all irrelevant, right? If the actual individual is not a fit for the team itself. And that's something that, that needs to be in place first and foremost, I'd imagine. I want to ask one more question about all this, however, and, and, and you've been in the space for a while and I've heard different opinions on the matter, but how have you seen the role of a UA manager change in the time that you've been in mobile marketing? That's a really good question, actually. So I can already tell that the first time I heard that we will be out of jobs was around 2015. And surprise, I'm still here and still a UA manager. So let me put it that way. First and foremost, I think the industry is going through an immense chain, as we discussed, of innovation. And part of innovation, of course, is automation. Now, what this means from a UA management perspective, that the quality of our work is increasing over time and the shift of, uh, sorry, the focus of our work is shifting. So whereas maybe in, I don't know, 2012, 13, 14, 15, I don't know, 60% to 70% of my time would have been literally at operations, uploading campaigns, configuring campaigns, clicking the tick box, moving the bar, entering the bid, and so on. Most of those systems now in 2021 are actually automated. To give a concrete example at Voodoo, we have our in-house UA automation tools where we essentially set a couple of parameters for a campaign and the automated system automatically creates ad accounts, uploads campaigns, creatives, and so on. So what I would like to consider the manual labor, the monkey work, the ad operations is limited to the minimum. Having said that, uh, it is still a precondition that people are understanding and able to, again, interface with different kind of technology tools, as I mentioned, because sometimes these automated systems go through maintenance or breakdown. And in that case, we cannot be in a situation where somebody is, let's say, not able to launch a Facebook campaign just because he or she doesn't understand how the ads manager is working. Still, currently, the majority of our work is actually evolving around planning, strategic decisions, optimization and then trying to get better and better at this. Of course, if I look, let's say, five years to the future, I do believe that, again, this will be shifting again. Currently, I believe with the emergence of programmatic media buying with automation, probably some of these type of ad operations activities and optimizations will be even more optimized and even more machine-based AI. Having said that, you know, the creative dimension, you know, trying to figure out the more the how should I put the qualitative aspect instead of the pure numbers, the quantitative aspect, what kind of creatives resonate well with the user base? How can we maybe bring in additional user segments that we might have not thought about because we just essentially repackage or present the product in a slightly different way to them to make it relevant, interesting, and exciting? That's, I think, where probably partially the user acquisition and the growth will be evolving to. Having said that, again, the basic foundational rules of media buying will still be applying. So again, at the end of the day, it will still be the equation between the LTB and the CPI. 
but it is just kind of the focus where it will be. And as a last point, maybe I think one thing that is kind of an overreaching theme, and we might have briefly touched upon it already beforehand, is experimentation and learning. So I think user acquisition uh, five years ago and 10 years from now will massively be about essentially experimenting testing because this is the one and only way. Since the market evolves so fast, uh, you won't be able to make it otherwise. Especially right now, this world that we're in because you want to spend on SK Ad Network or you want to explore some alternatives, incrementality, media mix modeling, whatever the case may be. There's about as much experimentation happening now as there ever, ever has been in this space. And experimentation and learning, therefore, I would imagine also requires... I'm curious if you think the future of a UA marketer requires even a deeper analytical background or some degree of a data science understanding. Do you think that's the direction we're heading? Because to set up a really good experiment, you have to understand how to set up an A-B testing framework, for example, or how to measure statistical significance in some cases. Do you see that being part of the route that we might be heading? To a degree, yes, but I'm not 100% sure whether that would specifically be always falling under the role of a UA manager. So I think having more sophisticated experiments partially will be helped by artificial intelligence and some sort of a machine learning system. Partially, I believe most of the companies at a certain shape and size do have their data science teams. So on that side, I do believe that there is kind of an accumulated knowledge somewhere in the organization that will definitely be interfacing closer with the marketing and the user acquisition team. Having said that, of course, if this is something that the user acquisition team has in mind, and again, incorporates into the thought process, which again, talks a little bit about kind of the innovative and kind of the iterative learning cycles, I think will be more important and relevant on that side. A couple of uh, candidates that, for instance, we have been had the uh, chance to review recently were definitely more solid in data science. I would say that I personally prefer, of course, having that, but ultimately it is not a rejection reason. So just because, let's say, somebody cannot do, I don't know, Python scripting, that will not disqualify that person because ideally, again, we want them to kind of think about the strategy with the cooperation, with the data science team, they would be able to build the models. Now, of course, from a logic perspective, the person needs to understand what goes into, you know, as I mentioned, what are the levers, what are the triggers, how these metrics are interacting with one another. But per se, someone to come and say, okay, I, you will be able to code, I don't know, a hundred line Python script. I think at this moment is definitely not a requirement. Whether it will be in the next five to 10 years, that's still to be seen. But again, seeing how artificial intelligence and this whole system is evolving, my guess is that I think the, the robots will be able to do it much better than we humans can be. Still, of course, there needs to be some sort of a control and validation from a human interaction. 100% makes sense. This has been awesome. You guys are hiring a lot, right? I mean, it sounds like you have it on your LinkedIn. We're obviously talking about that now. Let's round this out. Could you tell me about some of the roles you're hiring for the, or, or whereabouts you're hiring? Sure. For now, I would be talking specifically about the casual user acquisition team, but I also need to highlight that we have quite a number of opportunities on the hyper-casual side of business. So depending on what would be the listener's cup of tea, there are definitely a, a number of opportunities across the Voodoo portfolio. On the casual side specifically, we are definitely looking for user acquisition managers, experience profile preferably, but again, we are happy to look at quite a broad roster of candidates. Additionally, the extra pillars for user acquisition would be creative managers, creative designers, marketing artists, marketing developers. And we just essentially really like to kind of build a, a whole-fledged and, and well-functioning marketing team. So that would be kind of the, the key areas. 
In terms of the locations, currently all of our positions are available from our European bases. So Berlin, Paris, London and Barcelona. So if somebody would uh, like to maybe uh, have a look at these opportunities, more than welcome to do it at uh, voodoo.io slash careers and all the casual titles are correctly tagged with casual gaming. Amazing. If you want to join a company that has driven 5 billion, billion with a B, downloads, go check out these jobs. That's awesome. It's been super awesome getting your perspective on, frankly, a number of topics. And I know some of these I don't think you had expected to be asked about. I mean, I really appreciate all your insights. You obviously know a ton about this space and a ton about what makes a good UA marketing manager. So really appreciate all your time all your awesome answers. And I hope we can have an opportunity to chat again in the future. Thank you so much for the invitation and looking forward to it too. For everyone listening, today's guest is Janos Perai, who is the UA lead for casual gaming at Voodoo. Janos, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for taking a break with us and listening to our weekly episode of Activate by Remerge. If you enjoyed what you heard, leave us a five-star review on iTunes and tell your friends about the podcast. The more people you tell, the further we can spread these awesome mobile marketing insights. See you next week.